Welcome to the Talent Talk Podcast. My name is Andrew Kuba, and today I am in the studio with Alexandra Levitt, business and workplace author, speaker, and consultant, and a Silk Road spokesperson since 2012. How are you doing today, Alexandra? I'm doing great, Andrew. Thanks for having me back. No, not a problem. Always a pleasure to have you. So today we are going to be talking about overhauling your performance management. And this is something that has been talked about in HR extensively for the past two years and has been kind of murmured about for the past five. We are seeing big companies making big changes in this space and it's kind of sent a shockwave throughout workplaces in general. Performance management has been an area that no one has really been happy to take place in. It's been seen as very tedious. And the changes that were first coming out by, led by Adobe and Accenture picking up on it, and Microsoft and GE, and all of these companies who had notorious performance management systems before, um, have made seemingly almost radical changes to their performance management solutions. Mm -hmm. So now it's been kind of happening for the past two years. We're starting to look at what it's actually doing to employees and how the industry has responded so, Alexandra, first, what have you noticed as being some of the biggest changes in performance management over the past two years? Well, you know, it started with this Deloitte survey, or at least that was one of the first ones I, right, I saw, yeah. where nearly 60% of companies surveyed, and these were Fortune 500 companies, thought that performance management was a complete waste of time. <laughs> so that's, that's a little bit problematic because it's not one of those things, ideally, that we should get rid of. We just need to adjust our approach. And, and there's so, so many processes that are so important to performance management. A lot of companies will use that to determine, you know, who gets raises or who needs help and can develop mentorship programs. Out of yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. So you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So it's a matter of, okay, well, we, we still need to have it. So how can we adjust it to be more effective? And as you said, we have all these companies um, that have moved to what we are calling agile performance management or continuous performance management. And what that means is that essentially instead of being a one-time event that occurs annually, that it happens in in these like minor, um, smaller meetings that occur between a manager and an employee over the course of time. And we see the organizations that you mentioned have been doing that. And the reason that they've been doing that is that if you, you mentioned the tedium, which is definitely part of it. And also if you look at these forced ranking systems. It's difficult because somebody's always going to be at the bottom when you have to put people in buckets. Like most people, if you have a normal distribution curve, are going to be in the middle or toward the bottom. That's just how it is. Even if they're performing to the best of their ability or if they've grown, like those things are kind of rendered unimportant. And you have people universally focused on, well, what's my number? And does that mean that I'm getting compensated? And then everybody is universally focused on that. And it creates a a hellish company culture where you are directly competing with the people next to you and kicks in this survival instinct that you have to, you know, fight for your job. So it creates these highly political atmospheres. And I remember reading in Washington Post where they did an article on GE's rank and yank system over rank and yank. I like that. Yeah, that was that was GE's. That Mm -hmm. was. Jack Welch, I can't believe I blanked on his name. But anyway, uh, Jack Welch had put in place this rank and yank system, made GE extraordinarily popular, made it one of the worst places to work for. 
Uh, and what it ended up doing was creating like these backroom meetings at performance review time where managers had, they were trading yeah. rankings with their employees so they could keep certain people and brokering. they had to, yeah, they were brokering which employees would get fired based on what they needed that year. So um, that system clearly had, even though that was 15, for 15 years, that was the, the status quo has found to be an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And, and GE and Microsoft both decided that they would abandon that system completely and move on to these continuous feedback, more agile uh, <clears throat> performance management systems. Yeah, I mean, it also doesn't match the pace of business today. I mean, to say you're going to talk about performance and goals once a year, well, by the time you're talking about that at a certain period of the year, that goal is completely obsolete because yeah. the circumstances have changed so much. So I think that's a big part of it, too, the force rankings being ineffective and the fact that it just doesn't match the pace of business. So I think those are the two major reasons that we're seeing these shifts, and, and they do make sense. Of course, you don't want to go too far in the opposite direction of having no mechanism for measuring feedback or measuring performance because then you know, you're going to run into trouble with that, too. Uh, yeah, employees will slip through the cracks yeah. mm -hmm. completely. And also, by not, having set, by not setting goals or mm -hmm. things, metrics to, to measure how your company is doing, yep. that's going to lead to a lot of chaos as yep. well. So exactly. it is kind of finding where the sweet spot is mm -hmm. in the middle. Um, according to a USA Today study in 2015, mm -hmm. America especially is we have some of the most overworked people. We try to accomplish more with less, and, and yep. especially with technology that's out today. Um, performance reviews, we're able to do more projects with seemingly, you'd think, more metrics, but a lot of the times that's not recorded with these performance management systems. So talking about something in December that you did last February mm -hmm. isn't going to make sense anymore. Exactly. So what are some examples of companies that have made this move, and what have they experienced by going into continuous feedback and agile performance? Mm -hmm. Well, my favorite example is Cargill, which is a, a food production company and they actually measured this and they said that they their move to continuous feedback system resulted in a 70 percent increase in employee engagement which is absolutely huge That's astonishing yeah yeah i mean talk about metrics that show that this is the right way to go and i think that <clears throat> one thing we have to consider is that when looking at a cargill there are certain like best practices that are in place so for one thing the manager is serving more in a coaching role where on an ongoing basis, they're working with employees to understand their passions, to understand the direction that they want to go in, and helping them set short-term goals that map to what's going on in the business at large at that time, and then continually revisiting and recalibrating those goals, and to actually note growth and note progress, and also keeping the reward, the reward conversation separate from the growth discussion. And managers can be at their discretion to offer rewards based on how much money is available, what's in the budget, and whether that person has like a pattern of growth <clears throat> that is something that should be rewarded. I think not just based on like one thing, like one ranking, but what have they been doing over the year as a whole? And if you've been having these ongoing discussions, then you're in a better position to be able to judge that. Uh, well, and that's something that coaches measure on sports teams. Exactly. So this is kind of bringing in the same the same role it seems like fixing the 
moving to an agile system, continuous feedback fixes so many potholes in your organization. One, you're able to tie in what the large company goals in the C-suite are to people's day-to-day tasks, makes goal setting easier, yep. and it allows managers to have better oversight over what's happening in their, apart- in their department mm-hmm. and aligning everyone's goals in a team specifically. Yep. And it gives also a way that you can measure feedback based on how your performance are doing on an ongoing basis. So it's, it's all about identifying those patterns, as you yeah. mentioned. What is something that employers can do right now to bring in, to become more agile, to be, have that continuous feedback system in place? Because um, as you were saying before, it's not something that you can just do mm-hmm. willy-nilly or yeah. make it really casual. Yeah, I mean, I think the leadership focus is absolutely essential. It, this is not really something that can just, we, we look at other organizations and say, all right, we're going to do that too. I mean, it does require a lot of focus and a lot of energy and attention placed on it because it's a change in mentality. I mean, it's performance management used to be like this thing that happened once a year, and now we need to be developing managers to have these conversations. And like you said, it's gone beyond performance management. I mean, this is basic management. It's what all anybody who is a boss or not necessarily an official boss, but overseeing a project should be responsible for having these conversations with the people who are working with them on those projects. So making sure that it's an imperative from the top down, I know we always talk about that, but more and more HR systems are, are, are coming out of the silo of HR and need to be something that the organization at large needs to incorporate into operations. So. Having, having these discussions with your C-suite and helping them understand that this needs to be something that we emphasize that everyone who becomes a manager, whether it's an official manager or someone who's just overseeing a project, can be involved in and teaching them how to have these conversations, giving them the, the tools, which you could just look up online or you could hire a consultant just to tell, to tell you how to tell your managers how to be most effective in having these growth-oriented, goal-oriented conversations. I think that that's probably the most important aspect of Mm -hmm. the continuous feedback system Mm -hmm. or creating an agile management system is making training the managers because this this directly creates accountability for the manager on how they run their project teams. And it's... That is the most important piece, is training your manager how to have effective performance management. And these managers who disappear for like a month because they're busy or they're traveling and like they leave their people to their own devices, that can't really happen with this new model. You can't get away with it. And so it's a new way of exactly what you said about accountability. I think it's such a critical piece. And I don't think everyone, everyone in theory will probably think this is good, but in execution, I, I think it requires more work on the part of the manager and, and I can see there being some issues but I think everybody would will benefit from it I mean certainly this is not a trend that's going away if you ask many analysts from any number of sources they'll tell you but within the next couple of years more than half of the fortune 500 will have moved to agile performance management so where you work it doesn't matter you're still you're going to be on this train you can't get off so you might as well make the best of it and realize everyone will be better off in the end and that's and and like with any sort of change there's going to be, it's going to be a bumpy ride in yep. the beginning because people, it will change the way that people will behave, yeah. especially managers, project teams, and yep. whole companies. Mm-hmm. So navigating that change, this is where education and learning is going to be the most important aspect of this, is mm-hmm. because 
especially with continuous feedback, there is so much room for it to go off the rails. Yep. It has a lot of upside, mm-hmm. but then if it's not executed properly, can be a, a big downside. Yep. And you would right. go the way of just having your performance management evaporate. Right, which, as we said at the very beginning, like that's what you want to It's the worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah. You're better off having your obsolete system than having no system. Yeah. And I, I'm, I don't have any examples of companies that, <laughs> that have done that. I, or we that, won't call them out. <laughs> yeah, right. No, exactly. So that really leads into to the biggest point is that it's not going to be as easy as it sounds. Right. And that's the one thing that I think a lot of companies have run into where they think that, oh, if we do our annual performance review, but we just have it more often. Mm-hmm. And so instead of it doing once a year, we'll just do a performance review once a week. <laughs> but that isn't, that's not necessarily continuous feedback and that's not the nature of, of, of um, right. that just creates more work of agile. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what is, so what's the main difference then between your annual performance review? Why can't you do that more frequently and have it count? And what does an agile or continuous feedback system look like? Well, I think that the rankings is the one part of the existing systems that is, is really not working at all. I, I think some of the, it's not that we throw it all out. I think some of the existing systems are worthwhile, like talking to people about their goals and having measurement on those goals and having discussions about where they would like to see their career going. I think these are things that if we just make the goals a little bit shorter term, so we're not looking like to the whole year, but what are you going to be accomplishing over the next month or two? I think that basically some of those questions are still going to be in place, but it's not this event where, you know, now we're going to sit down and talk about performance. It's it's more of an organic scenario where you just set up these meetings like every couple of weeks to talk about projects and goals and where you're going and if the things that you're working on are, is that where you want to be? And do you feel like you're playing to your strengths? If not, like how can we readjust? It's just more of a conversation that you would imagine between a skilled manager and an employee on just like a regular day. That's really what I see this system looking like, of course, with the back end of having it documented would be the only thing. Because if you're not gonna have these large scale systems that you implement once a year, then you've gotta have something documented somewhere. So having the organic conversation, but then going back and then making sure that it, it's being recorded. And the other thing I would say is the emphasis on microfeedback, where it, even if you have these frequent check-ins, it doesn't necessarily have to be an in-person scenario. Sometimes you could, for example, just have an employee give a presentation. That could be one example and you thought they did a really good job. So you just send them in an intra-company messaging system, an emoticon that's like a thumbs up. Like that can be part of this too, where you just have this ongoing system of feedback, even if it's tiny little microfeedback, it's still worthwhile. And it, it also helps you know, this generation of young professionals in particular, for them, like no news is bad news. So if they don't hear from you, they assume that you're not happy with them. And so just being able to constantly reassure them, even if it takes you literally under five seconds, to do it, it's something that can keep them engaged and, and interested and motivated without a lot of work on your part. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's and that's a big thing, especially with millennials and Gen Zs. Yeah. They get bombarded with so much messaging mm-hmm. and so much feedback mm-hmm. on everything that they do. Um, think of just social media. If you post mm-hmm. something to Facebook or to Twitter, if they're not getting likes, if they're not getting yep. you know retweets, that is that means that people don't like it. That's actually negative exactly. reinforcement. Right. So. 
with especially with your millennial and your mm-hmm. uh, Gen Z employees, yep. no news is bad news. Yep. I think that's that's something mm-hmm. that would help baby boomer mm-hmm. generations and older better relate to their millennial and Gen Z employees. I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. <laughs> um, now, another thing, though, is when you were talking about recording these these meetings, a part of the training is go in with a goal. Mm-hmm. Whenever you are, are going to be doing the agile performance system mm-hmm. or if you're going to be creating this constant feedback, every conversation that you have should be pointed mm-hmm. and, and should have a, a purpose that you can measure and yep. that you can retain for later. Mm-hmm. And it will build on itself. Yep. So even if you're going to try right now and do this with your internal messaging system or through email, it's that every conversation that you're having has a goal. And then at the beginning of your next check-in or your next um, meeting, you're going to review what happened at the last one and then what you're going to be doing moving forward if yep. that if the goals change if they stay the same or if they've been accomplished yep. and i think that's the most important part of building this mm-hmm. and another big reason as to why it's a little bit more involved than, yeah than and it, it helps people become more focused about what they're and think more about what they're doing as opposed to you know we have scenarios in a lot of companies where people are just doing work just to do work and have being more focused on goals even if they're short term goals can help everybody everybody be more productive and efficient because the goals have a point and also they're always tied to the big picture which i think is nice about these systems is that you can see where your goal matches up to what your boss's goals are and what you know his or her boss's goals are and what the organizational mission is and you can make sure that you're sort of always on point and if you're not you you're having these frequent conversations so you can easily recalibrate so this has also been a big trend that we've seen in a lot of Fortune 500 companies um, and big companies. But for medium-sized businesses and mm-hmm. for small businesses, may have already had an informal system like this. Is this something that if I was a small business owner, I might think that, oh, this would make sense for something big like mm-hmm. an Accenture or a Deloitte. Um, but, you know, I work in an office where I can see everybody, all my coworkers that I work with. Yeah. Um, is this something that they would necessarily implement? Uh, would it look different than a Fortune 500 company system, or uh, what would their benefits be? Right. I mean, I could see they might not have as official of a performance review system to begin with, like especially with small businesses. A lot of times they don't have these like big enterprise systems where it's this once a year event and everybody's ranked, and there's just not enough people to warrant that. So in a way, I think small medium businesses are better set up to do this. In fact, they may already be doing it better. So it's just a matter of what I would caution them to think about is the documentation. You may be having these goal-oriented conversations, but it may be very informal. And then when it comes time to compensate someone, it may appear to be very arbitrary. So to make sure that you are using systems like the check-in to document how somebody's growing, whether they've achieved a goal, whether they've succeeded on a project, so that you can then go back and when you're making these decisions, you have a leg to stand on versus it just kind of being this arbitrary, non-objective or subjective scenario, which I can see with a lot of small, medium businesses, that's what it would go out to. So it's going to look kind of, it's going to be just similar yeah. if you're a large employer versus a medium-sized business, if you're in a small business. Small yeah. businesses just... There's just more layers yeah. in a large business. Like your goals will relate to your bosses, bosses all the way up to the top. 
Um, whereas if you're a small, medium-sized business, like your goals may only need to relate to maybe one other person, two other people. It's it's not as complex in its connectedness. There's just less moving pieces. Yeah, exactly. So it's and mm-hmm. it's something that, like you said, small businesses because there's just not that many people may have right. been informally yeah. doing, and so mm-hmm. yeah, it just it's going to be just less moving pieces. Mm-hmm probably a lot easier to implement the smaller that your business is versus to get buy-in mm-hmm. around. Before we get out of here, one thing that I would like to, to kind of touch on is mm-hmm. how does HR have the conversation with the managers? How does training them in thinking this like an agile or continuous feedback system work? Because that could be where the program would stop. Yeah. Is the managers will actually have to do this. Yep. And I think that HR doesn't have the conversation. I think it comes from the top. Like it has to come from the CEO in so, most situations. Yeah, and so this is a great example of, yeah. I mean, one, HR can definitely leverage this to get their seat at the, at the C-suite table. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is a system that can solve many, many ails. But this is, so, so then how would HR then have that conversation with the C-suite, with the CEO, with, yeah, well, I think you point out the the business case for moving toward a more agile performance management system, the fact that goals will be achieved more readily, that employee engagement will go up. You can point to an example like Cargill, where 70% of their employees were more engaged, and just use metrics that they're familiar with looking at and say, you know, this is, is really something that we should at least pilot. I'm a big fan of pilots, where if, if they're scared, if they think it's too big of a change, then just do it on a small scale and see how it works out with a small group of people. And then you can report back on results. And hopefully that will convince them that this is the way to go. I mean, some companies are just, as we said, jumping on the bandwagon because so many of these big, high-profile companies are doing it. But I do think that it's, it's worth some thought and consideration as to how you're going to roll this out and how it's going to work. And when you have a pilot, you're able to correct the kinks yeah. before you roll it out on a larger scale. And I think that's always a good thing to do. So that would be what I would recommend. Have a conversation, prove the business case, and then set up the pilot. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with doing an experiment. Set it up with yep. one department yep. and then just see where it goes from there. Yep. I think that that's absolutely wonderful advice. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Alexandra. And for more information on performance management, you can visit the Silk Road Resource Center under performance management. We have a lot of great articles on agile performance and continuous feedback there. All right. Thank you so much for being a part of the show again, and we can't wait to have you back. Thanks for having me, Andrew.